Today's podcast is brought to you by Liquid IV. This is a partnership I'm thrilled to share with you guys. The subject of hydration is a meaningful and important one that I think a lot of people don't have the conversation. It's just simply a fact that you cannot perform at your highest level if you are dehydrated, especially in these crucial summer months of training for cross country being hydrated is a must. Despite the myth floating around, water alone does not keep you hydrated. It's very important to supplement with products like Liquid IV to ensure you're ready to go for training. So why might you ask, should I choose Liquid IV? Well, I have a few facts for you. It has two to three times more hydration than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. And it has three times the amount of electrolytes compared to traditional sports drinks, which is just incredible. And then also Liquid IV uses only premium ingredients. Every product is non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. One crazy fact that I feel like a lot of people don't realize is that dehydration occurs daily in 75% of people. It's not just runners where dehydration happens. It's in everybody and you need to be hydrated to feel your best and perform your best. And you can start to fix that problem by fueling up with Liquid IV. Don't wait, you can start to run faster and feel better today. So maybe you're not convinced yet. <laughs> you can get 25% off of all products with code the running effect, all caps. In addition to this, we get a small commission from sales using that code. So you are directly contributing to the future of this podcast, which is super exciting. I'm super passionate about this product and hope you will all give it a try and help the podcast in the process. So I hope you all try out Liquid IV. It's definitely helped me in my training and staying hydrated. And even in these podcasts, it's uh, one of my favorite beverages to drink while I uh, ask the questions on the other side of the mic. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to this week's episode of The Running Effect with Dominic Schleter. I'm your host, Dominic. And if you're new to the show, I would greatly appreciate it if you give us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you're enjoying the show, I would greatly appreciate it if you share with a friend or two, spread the good news about the podcast so that hopefully we can gain new listeners and help them out in the process. In today's episode of the podcast, I have the great privilege of speaking with my friend Jay Johnson. Jay recently released an incredible and useful course for high school runners on mental skills. While this is marketed as for high schoolers and I would strongly recommend for that age demographic. Really anyone or any runner can uh, sign up for this course because I think the things discussed in this course can be valuable to really any runner. This course features high-level professionals and coaches who all discuss mental skills and how they can benefit your training. And then also in addition to talking about this course, Jay and I discuss many other topics. It was fun going deep with him about the subject of sleep. I really enjoyed doing that. And we also talked about uh, consistently high-performing individuals, the attributes he sees most commonly in those people. Just an all-around fun discussion. So without further ado, enjoy my conversation with Jay Johnson. Jay, it is a pleasure to welcome you back on to the Running Effect podcast. I briefly mentioned this to you before hitting the record button today, but you were on, I believe, episode 14 of the show back when the show really wasn't much. It was just me as a sophomore in high school trying to get my uh, feet wet in this podcasting space. And now, you know, almost 80 episodes later, we're definitely more established podcast in the running community have a bigger audience and i'm excited to share some of your wisdom with our audience today but one quick statistic was 
It has been 678 days since that podcast released. So we're coming up on two years since that came out. So that just blew my mind when I found that out this morning. Cool, cool. Well, you have you have uh, you have this fantastic podcast. You've had great guests. I feel uh, I feel exceptionally fortunate that I've you know I'm basically a running effect OG at this point. (laughs) OG being a scary thing. I just turned 47 yesterday. Uh, I can say for any of you that for if that sounds ancient, middle age is awesome. It gives you some perspective um, and some wisdom. It does not help your 1600 meter performance, <laughs> but um, yeah, man, this is, I, I, I really, you are doing something for the sport that's really powerful, both in the platform of podcasting, which is reaching an age demographic that often is, you know, I, I, I'm doing a lot on TikTok for high school athletes. And if you're listening to this right now, and, and you're somebody who listens to this podcast often, you should feel really good about your quote, attention span. What I talk about in running is, is we have to increase our attention span for hard work, but listening to a podcast is a more intimate, engaged experience. And uh, so, so with that said, I hope I can do a good job with you, but um, I, I actually love th- I'm I'm so glad to see that this has taken off because I actually think from a from a cognitive standpoint, this highlights that serious high school runners will focus for a long time. And I actually think high school educators and high school coaches sometimes do a disservice to high school athletes when we think that it's this. I, I mean, I, I was listening to that stat last night that Microsoft said that the attention span of a normal adult is eight seconds, which is super scary. Wow. I, but I also think somebody who is a distance runner, that stat is not true, right? Um, and I'm somebody who posts on, on TikTok, and I, I love that type of quick hit thing, but I also love uh, re- reading books, and uh, I'm I'm a podcast guy, so I'm I'm so excited to be here. No, I love all of that. Thanks for sharing that information. And yeah, that statistic is kind of scary, that eight seconds. But I will say, if you clicked on this episode, I know a lot of my followers are just a different breed of people who want to be successful and will listen to these things and use the the skills they learned in this podcast to benefit their life. So if you're listening to this, massive kudos to you for going against some of the cultural norms. Jay, as I mentioned before, it's been almost 700 days since we were last on the podcast. So I can't even put into words how much we've grown since then. And when that podcast released, we really didn't have a core audience, and now we do. So I find it hard to imagine that someone listened to both the first episode and is listening to this one now. Um, I do recommend going back and listening to episode 14 if you'd like to hear more on Jay's background, some of the fun running with the Buffalo stories, and much more. You'll just have to deal with a squeaky sophomore in high school voice. I've definitely uh, matured since then. So for those who are new to the show, which I imagine is 99% of the listeners right now, can you give those listeners a brief introduction of who you are and your history in the sport of running? Yeah, so I grew up in a little town. uh south of denver called castle rock um i ran 
PRs of 425 and 945, and yet I was able to run at CU and was on some teams uh, my last year, my fifth year. We were third at the NCAA championship in cross country. And if you're thinking, how does a 425 and a 945 guy run Division One? That's a that's the perfect question to ask. Um, it was the 1990s, and people didn't run as fast. Um, Dominic, I I ran 10 miles once in high school, and I ran eight miles twice. And then my average run was five miles. Um, I was on a very good basketball team that was carried by a division one, a guy who'd go on to be a very good division one player. And so I, I just didn't know how to train. And in that era, no one trained with a lot of volume. I would also say that the sophistication of high school running now is extremely high. Um, my freshman class was the first class that coach Wetmore had where we were all bought in from day one. Um, I will always be indebted to those guys that came that came before me. But yeah, I, I got super lucky to be at CU. I got a master's in kinesiology and exercise phys, um, technically called integrated physiology. Um, I really wanted to be a coach. So I went to a junior college for two years. That was the only place I could get a job. So it was hard to get into coaching just like it is now. Uh, coached at CU for six years. I was the recruiting coordinator, uh, assistant coach in cross country. I was a middle distance coach, uh, three national championship. No, three or four. I, I think both genders each won two. But the cool thing is my second year, both teams won the national championship in cross country. That has only ever happened once where one coach Mark Wetmore has coached a team that has won both teams. I, I was there when Dathan won. I was there when um, Jorge Torres won. Um, and then after that, as a stay-at-home dad, I coached three U.S. champions. Uh, Brent Vaughn won the U.S. cross-country title. I coached this guy, Fernando Cabada, won the U.S. 25K. And I coached Renee Mativier Bailey. She won the U.S. Indoor 3K. So awesome. that is it. And and But I think for your audience, I wrote a book called consistency is key uh you know 15 keys to unlock your potential as a high school runner and i that is my proudest achievement in the sport so going into one of your most recent projects which was essentially releasing a mental performance course with so many distinguished individuals and publishing interviews with them i'll kind of leave the information for you to share just a kind of a basic question um, going into like your own personal background, which may have sparked starting this course. At what point in your individual running career did you become aware that working on mental skills was necessary to reach your full potential in the sport? Yeah, you know, I bombed at the high school state meet. Um, everybody was good. I was used to, I, I was in a good conference in high school where kind of ironically, we had some of the best runners in the state, but it was never hectic up front. And as I mean, if you're listening to this, you want to have the experience in October and November where you're running with really good people, because that means you're at a big meet, whether it's, you know, your regional meet or your state meet, or obviously like a Nike regional meet because meet is going to be chaos. And I panicked at the mile mark and I went, you know, I just went backwards. Right. I mean, the, the worst thing that you, uh, that, that, that happens. Um, I had a different coach and track and I trusted his training and I ran faster. Now I, I, I grew a little bit, but I really couldn't have gained that much fitness. My basketball team had gone pretty far into the state championship. So I only had an eight-week season. It might have been a nine-week, but I only had an eight- or nine-week season in track, and I, I ran way faster. So 
Um, and it was really your question that reminded me like, oh yeah, that, that was such a big thing as I trusted his training. And then I'm going to fast forward into college. I remember stepping to the starting line, my first race in a uniform, my freshman year. Um, some of you might know Jim Ryan, the, the you, you know, this iconic runner, um, who's, who's the world record holder in the mile in high school, just an unbelievable stat. And I was running against his sons, um, they were running at, at the University of Kansas. And I remember standing at the line thinking, I, I've never been this calm. And it was because I, I knew that I was fully prepared to race. And the only person as prepared as me was my teammate, Tom Reese. Now, I didn't know if, if I was going to win the race or if I was going to be dead last. Right. But that that calm to be able to be at the starting line is such a gift we can get through training. And in my mind, it fits into this course mental skills, because if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, I, I am not like, like, I know my coach isn't as, you know, isn't doing Newberry park training. And so I question my, my training. What this course does is it helps you understand that, Hey, if you have a workout, let's say it's, let's say you're doing six by a thousand, the coaches in this course are going to say, you've got to be locked in on reps three and four to groove race pace, just like you're going to do in that race. And then on rep five, what I would want to see you do is get after it a little bit in the last 100 meters, 200 meters of that rep. Why? Because you're going to have to do that in the race. So we're practicing these things in a workout and mentally what goes on in your mind to do that? Okay. This brings us back to, to Shannon Thompson, who works with the Northern Arizona men's and women's teams. She's going to talk about things like making three competitive moves. And, and granted, it doesn't have to be three. It could be one. It could be two. But but just this, this loose focus plan is what she talks about. And this idea that we're trying all there, there, there there's four coaches in the, the course and they talk about within practice, you've got to practice mental skills. But if you're like me and you're like, I don't have a coach who's, you know, basically creating workouts where I can do that, then we have these experts come in and explain, here's some things every runner can do in every, you know, in every environment um, to practice the, these skills. And then I'm, I'll go back to one more thing. Um, I was so fortunate to run a camp called the Boulder Running Camps for 18 years, started it when I was coaching at CU. If you go back to the early 2000s, pre-race anxiety, I never heard about that. And general anxiety, the campers never talked about that. Um, in the last 10 years of running that camp, it became more and more of an issue. I'd get questions in between sessions about it. And then I've worked with a handful of athletes. Um, and I, I hesitate to say I do this because I don't really do it anymore. But if, if a high school coach and parents reached out to me after the state meet and said, we need some help between now and, and the Nike regional. I, I've helped some athletes have some really good races, but man, they, they, they were anxious during that normal competitive cross country season. And so we were designing workouts. I was giving them workouts that if you looked at the first, you know, I mean, it was, it was race pace workouts, but the first 50 to 60% of the workout we're, we're, we're running race pace that they could have run in early October. And then we're ripping it the last, you know, in that last thousand, 2000, uh, meters. And it, it wouldn't necessarily be thousands. It could be four hundreds or whatever. But what I'm trying to say is like, I was, I was creating workouts that the athlete was seeing as, Oh, if I do this workout, I'm going to race faster. What in my mind is like, no, we're getting your mind 
to to be ready to race your fastest at the most important point in the race, which is the last 400 or the last 800 or the last 1200. So I think a basic question to start before we foray into some topics of this course, why do you think it's crucial to focus on mental skills? I know it's like a super beginner question, but just I think it's a good one to start out with. Yeah, I mean, I, I was really blessed to run at CU and have this, uh, he was basically a, a sage um, coach. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if, if you're into Star Wars and whatnot, we got the, the Obi-Wan series going and my kids are into that i mean that that he was that guy right he was this this wonderful guy that way and he would talk about keeping a calm mind um i've heard jerry schumacher formerly oregon track club or bowerman track club and now the coach at oregon um talk about something along the lines of you know basically keeping a calm mind when you're uncomfortable so if you combine those two ideas what I, I don't say in, in my consistency is key book. I don't talk about pain, right? I don't, I don't say, hey, in a 3200 with 800 to go, you're going to be in pain. But I think we have to talk about discomfort. We have to talk about being uncomfortable. And so if that's part of our sport, it begs the question, how do we practice the skills of keeping a calm mind, not panicking, staying engaged, staying focused, when we're uncomfortable and man it, now if you're listening to that you're like well that's pretty simple but that's actually hard to do absolutely my one of my favorite quotes when it comes to to, to coaching athletes um and it also helps coaches as well it's from Thelonious Monk the jazz pianist he talks about simple ain't easy so what I just described is simple but is it easy to do no it's hard and it's going to take weeks and weeks and weeks and months and it's going to take seasons right um, right, right, right now I'm thinking about when you watch the world championships or you watch the U S championships or the NCAA championships, you know, these are athletes who have had so many repetitions, both in practices and races of being really uncomfortable and staying engaged mentally and staying calm. Um, now I, there's, and, and, and if, if, if you were, if you were hoping, I would say, or thought I'd say, we well, just got to be mentally tough. That's this, this course is titled mental skills for high school runners. And the term skill is an important term because you can learn a skill. I think too often we say, Hey, Johnny's mentally tough. Sally's mentally tough, but you know, Susie and John aren't right. And I reject that idea. I, I, I don't necessarily talk about m mental toughness, but if we did talk about mental toughness, that is something that can be grown and learned. So can you share with our audience some of your guests on this course and maybe some base topics that they cover? Yeah, so uh, four coaches, John O'Malley, who I've talked about at Sandberg High School, uh, Dan Iverson, who I just talked about, Naperville North girls, they're both in Illinois. Alex Lyons, uh, formerly coached at Lyons Township. His talk is a little more aimed at coaches, but man, he's such a deep, thoughtful thinker. And then Jesse Magato um, is a coach at Minster High School in Minster, Ohio. And, 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 and Dominic, you might know this. She's won 14 state championships in cross country, and they have the state records for lowest point total, number of consecutive years, uh, winning the state meet, and I forget the third one, but she, she's just an amazing co coach. Now, she's at a smaller school, too, and I, I think 
her presentation is really helpful for not, not all athletes are at the biggest classification school in their state. And you might be an athlete who you're expected to do another sport, or it's just, you're at a place where, Hey, in my town, I don't see people wearing short shorts and going for runs and getting liquid IV to, uh, hydrate after, after <laughs> you run. But, uh, I, I, so, so those four coaches, I, 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 I do think the one thing that's a little bit hard, which I already talked about is like, man, they do such a great job of talking about how do we infuse mental skills into our workouts. And if you're an athlete listening to this and you say, but that's not my coach, then what we do, we have, we have experts. So we have Shannon Thompson is basically our shining star. Um, and, and I, I, you know, she, she's been on your podcast. People can listen to her for free, but what she did within the course is she, she shared the exact same thing she does with the Northern Arizona men and women, which is the loose focus plan. It's the exact same thing. She walks those athletes through. They do it at the beginning of, of, of the season. And that was great. She also talks about how they use visualization. And then when we get into visualization, um, I've got a guided visualization that I walk you through. But prior to that, we teach you how to do box breathing and we teach you, um, I'm going to call it a body scan. Um, there are other terms you can use to, to, to talk about, it. but, but we would like to teach you box breathing and a body scan prior to learning how to do visualization. Uh, we're recording this in early September, 2022. Then throughout the fall, I'll add more vis visualizations to this, uh, course. The idea being you would learn a basic visualization now, um, and then when we get into mid-October and it's a conference meet, we're, we're going to tweak it just a little bit so that you can understand and, and really feel, um, feel confident that the fact that the stakes are a little bit higher, that you're ready to race well there. Um, so we have, uh, we have Jacob Thompson as a PhD. He's married a uh, Jacob Thompson, Jacob Cooper as a PhD. He's married to Abby Cooper, who's an Olympian for the U S in, in, in the 5k. And the last person you guys might know, Steve Magnus, Steve Magnus is the author of peak performance. If there's two books you should get after this podcast, it's peak performance by Steve and Brad Stahlberg. And then I think consistency is key is great. I think those fit really well together. Um, Steve, is is just i mean he's coached olympians um he almost broke four minutes in high school at a time where that was very rare okay um and he's really has a great balance of hey he knows the science um but he also was a really good athlete and has coached uh, you know has coached olympic athletes um so that rounds out our our seven and i think when you put it together it's 10 hours of great stuff I think there's probably two hours in there that's a little dense for high school athletes. I think there's also, you only really need to do two to three to four hours. Shannon Thompson and John O'Malley to feel like, oh my gosh, for, you know, that th this course was really impactful and I've got multiple things I, I can take to, uh, to uh, race faster. W one thing, uh, let's go, let's fast forward to SAT vocabulary for a moment. We'll talk about efficacy Efficacy simply meaning does something do the thing that it was intended to do? And this course, Mental Skills for High School Runners, will empower you with skills to race faster. Because at the end of the day, why do we train? To race faster. Why, why, why would you engage in this course? To have skills so you can race faster. Now, as that came out of my mouth, I'm thinking, I mean, there it's beautiful when you could just go for a run and enjoy a run. 
but I, but I think I, what was so cool is I had a vision for this course. It's really cool now talking about it, knowing that, man, this course does what it's set out to do, which is will, it'll empower high school athletes. For sure. No, I appreciate you sharing all of that. And uh, I had a chance to preview some of these different talks and some of the subjects within the talks. And I was personally impacted. And I've, for years, dove into mental performance science and had Shannon on my podcast. And yet I still found new and exciting things about the subject of mindset and mental performance skills. So I think you did a remarkable job of creating this and putting this together for the benefit of anyone watching or listening to it so that they can take those skills and transfer them into their training and racing to become faster. I guess maybe more of a shallow question, but what are the benefits of doing this course? Yeah, I, 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 I want to go back to one thing first. Thanks for taking the uh, time to uh, dive in. And I also think that relates to your audience. Um, in rough numbers, there's a half, there, there's 500,000 uh, high school athletes that run cross country. And as I was preparing for this interview, I thought 90% of them would not want to, you know, would not want to watch the videos in this course or listen to the audio. As an aside, you can listen to an audio within the course, just like you would a podcast. But if you think about it, that's still 50,000 runners who would take the time to do extra work to race faster. And at some point we are limited with what we can do physically to race faster. Um, now, if I could give you one tip uh, more than, you know, engaging with this course is to sleep more. That's the number <laughs> one thing you should do if, if you want to race faster is to get more sleep. Um, but, but, yeah, and and now I'm uh, off course, but but I I want to highlight the fact that if you're listening to this, but you have 20 teammates who don't listen to this podcast, I'm I want to be honest that this really isn't for them because they don't want it bad enough, right? If but if but if you're somebody who's really engaged in being better, then this is the type of thing that you're you would be interested in, and and I just think what's what's beautiful about being on this podcast is it's really cool to to interact with people. Um, who have a bigger attention span and really want to be good. Um, but now, Dominic, I forgot the question. It was about no, was you're about totally just, good. Just kind of, kind of like broad. What's in the course? No, basically, I was uh, just asking. I know it's kind of a shallow question, but what are some of the benefits you think someone can get from partaking in this course? Yeah. Um, I really think visual is if it came down to two things, it's going to be Shannon Thompson's plan and the plan is going to help you chunk. That's, that's my term, not hers, but if you chunk a cross country race into five or five of a five K race into three miles, and we know they're 1600s and not miles. Yes. But um, if you were to chunk it into three sections, you know, coming up with a phrase or a word that will be specific to you, that's going to help you stay engaged. And then she does this beautiful thing where she, you would give yourself a grade for each one of those uh, parts. And, and, and I just want to highlight this, like, this is what NAU does. And NAU's Ben's team wins national championships. I, I, I almost, as I was listening to her uh, presentation and interacting with her thinking, man, this is too simple. And it, and how awesome that, that she's will, willing to share this. Um, that's number one. Number two is visualization. My experience with visualization as a college athlete was sim simply this. When I did it, I ran faster. When I didn't do it, I didn't run fast. Um, now, if you drill down a little bit on that, it's probably 
I was more excited to take the time to do the visualization when I was really fit, right? If you're listening to this and you're really fit and it's September, visualization, it's not rocket science. It's kind of fun for most people. And the thing is, you will race faster if you learn how to visualize. But within visualization, there's a handful of key things that you need to know how to do. And then once you learn those, you know, if, if you're a sophomore, if you're a sophomore, it's going to help you the rest of your high school career. If you're a senior and this is the last year, it's going to help you if you run in college. Um, and, and maybe one tiny related thing is what's great about visualization, too, is like, if you're in high school or college listening to this, mindfulness and meditation might be something that you explore at this point in your life or later. My experience as somebody who meditates every day is that, you know, how cool that I learned how to visualize. And, and when I say learn, I just did it in college. I didn't know what I was doing. And it sort of worked. Um, th this, this course helps you learn, you know, exactly how it should work. But then when you're hearing that mindfulness is something we should all be doing, you know, with our chaotic society to, to stay grounded and to stay in the present moment, what's cool is you can learn visualization in the context of your favorite thing, which is running and, and have that uh, transfer over. So, so, and, and there's other things too. I mean, for instance, I'll share one more thing. Dan Iverson, girls coach at Naperville North. If you think about how good your team has to be to be second at the Nike Cross Nationals, not once, but twice, you got to be really good. And you have to have a great, a uh, great program. And he, he uses this and everybody can do this this week. 10 quick steps. When you're struggling in a race, oftentimes between miles one and two, you're, you're, you're struggling to stay engaged. Just, just take 10 quick steps. It's going to take about three seconds. And that's something I just posted a really cool video um it's cool because it got edited really well too but uh but you know on 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 youtube instagram and on tiktok as well and yeah i mean 10 quick steps is like one little nugget that if you watch his presentation you'll get that and i think from the yeah, coaches there's probably three or four nuggets times four coaches is like 16 little things that um that 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 That'll be in there. And, and one final thing, it's 10 hours of content, but when you first, when you first log in, I give you a roadmap of like, Hey, you only have two or three hours. Watch these first. Right. Right. And that video itself is like three minutes, three minutes, 30 seconds. So, you know, you take three minutes to watch that and then you have a roadmap for what you can do given your time constraints. Yeah. I mean, I think you say, I, I have three school nights where I chunk this up or on a weekend when I'm not racing, I can knock it out in one day. Um, if you don't have that time, then this course isn't right for you this fall. But if you feel like, yeah, you know, I, I can carve out some time to do it. It's, it's mid September and you will learn skills that'll help you race faster. Um, in October. And yeah. one, one final thing, it, like I'm always Dominic, very sensitive to the fact that I don't ever want to do anything that runs counter to what the high school coach is, is work is telling an athlete and nothing in here, you know, does that it doesn't say, Hey, you have to get out really hard in the first 400 of a race. Now <laughs> there might be some, some, some courses you're at where you do have, have, have to, uh, you know, have, have, have to do something like that. But, um, just know that, it, that this is not something where if you listen to it, you're going to be coming back to practice saying, Hey, I heard a, 
I think us doing B is a bad idea. Well, also going back to something you were just talking about, about making time and, um, you know, you were kind of road mapping it for, you know, three school nights or a weekend. Kind of uh, underlying theme in this is if you want to be a great runner, you will take time to do the little things, uh, whether that's strength and mobility work, things you've posted on Jay, or eating healthy or getting that extra hour of sleep every night. I find it hard to believe that an athlete already listening to this podcast this far in isn't willing to do those extra little things. And maybe one of those little things is carving out some time, some precious time of their life to watch a course that they know will make them faster. So I, I think uh, our, our audience is very well suited to know, to, to know that they've done it in the past. They've carved out time to do those 1% of things that they know are going to make them better, which I'm confident this course is one of that 1% of things. So, Jay, let's say you're given 60 seconds of the whole NCAA slash high school running's attention to pitch this course. What would you say in those 60 seconds? I'd say if you're dealing with pre-race anxiety, we can help you frame that so that's not a crippling thing, either prior to the race, on the starting line, at the two-mile mark, um, or sometimes, unfortunately, in the days prior to that. You'll learn how to use visualization to have your best races at the most important meets of the year. I really like this phrase, um, do it on the day, right? We've got to do it on the if if you do it on the day, that might be your conference meet, that might be your regional meet, that might be 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 your your state meet. And I really think those are the main two things. And um, if you're engaged over the coming months and uh, want to dive into all the interviews, you will we'll gain some 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 nuggets here and there. So, so. Jay, Jay, before we hop into some other topics, is there anything else about this course that you want to talk about? I, I honestly not. I feel like I'm, I'm talking too much. I mean, I'm not trying to, uh, say that you won't have a great season if you don't buy this course, that, that that's not it. I, I think what we need to do is say, you know, as you were saying, uh, there there's 1% things we can do sleep, nutrition, everything from phone rolling to doing some hip strength, hip, hip mobility, all that's really important. And I do think all those things take time and our body they're related to your body and you're you're not able to train more it's hard to get more sleep in and this is this this pretty small investment of about 10 hours um to basically race faster but honestly man this this interview is a lot of fun because the knowing being able to interact with such an engaged and focused group of people who love the sport deeply and want to race faster. It just reminds me how lucky I am to, to create things like books and courses for, for high school athletes. For sure. So going off of a lot of things we've been talking about, because a lot of the subjects we've been talking about, you probably see high performing teams and individuals doing, but going off of all of what we've been talking about, what are some things you consistently see high performing teams and individuals doing consistently? Um, yeah, I, I, it's it's 2022. Everybody's got uh, so in, in my book for high school athletes, we're going to talk about building the aerobic engine, and everybody's doing that really well now. So long runs, threshold runs, um, it might be critical velocity work. Um, I really think you should be running by feel. So I'm not as much into running um, paces based on time. We could go off on that tangent. Everybody's building the aerobic engine, 
everybody's doing what I call strengthening the chassis. I ran with a guy named Adam Goucher who Mark Wetmore, my college coach said, you know, you have a V8 engine in a Volkswagen Beetle body, right? So, so his body was breaking down all, all the time. And so that, that, that's part of why this uh, car metaphor works. Um, I do think high school athletes do a poor job of revving the engine. So doing enough strides, um, this could be speed development. I think speed development too often coaches are talking about it, um, when they maybe don't have all the other things dialed in, but, but speed development is great. Um, people are just, there, there's such a high level of sophistication in the, uh, best programs. Um, I think the, I mean, this is just the most boring thing that is going to make the biggest impact on your running, which is sleep. And you should consider getting blackout shades. You should talk to your parents about having the house set to 68, you know, 68 degrees at night is what you need to be sleeping at. If you have a sibling or a parent who wants to sleep at 70 or 71, that's fine. But this is a conversation you should have. You should not have your phone in your room at night. You should, um, and, and you should have a, a, a screen time where I think the research is 90 minutes prior to bed. You're not on a screen. I don't do that. My youngest daughter loves watching this, this chef on TikTok, and we watch three or four videos before we go to bed. So I don't do what, I, what I'm saying um, you sh should be doing. But sleep is, is the number one performance enhancer that – I only see professional athletes doing really well. I think the best college athletes find a way to do it. If I look back on my college career, I did a lot of things wrong. Mostly I tried to train harder and do extra double runs and get an extra weight room work, which is absolutely stupid. But I did sleep nine hours every night, essentially all year long. Well, Jay, I think a phenomenal resource for people who maybe want to look further into this subject. First off, in your book, Consistency is Key, you definitely talk about sleep, and there's this uh, fun model in it. Uh, I'm kind of forgetting the different terms in it, but it's, it basically lines out what championship sleeper, like being a championship sleeper and what that means, um, which I think uh, was really interesting, and I shared it with my team personally. And then another resource, if you really want to dive into the science, is uh, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. Would you agree with those two things? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking how awesome it is that your listeners are listening to a podcast where Matthew Walker's book in the last two or three years the best the the best resource on sleep is Matthew Walker's book. There is this crazy diagram in there where it took spiders, okay? And it puts and 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 I hope this is like PG like 14 or 15 and, I'm, and no parents are going to email me. But they put spiders and they gave like one of them LSD, they gave one alcohol and they gave one pot or something. And they made funky webs, but it still looked like a web. They gave another spider hadn't slept for a day and that that web looks like the craziest, most uncomfortable, weirdest thing ever. So it shows like when we don't sleep and I'm not saying that, you know, not sleeping is I'm not trying to I'm not trying to say um, that if you take drugs that that's not as bad as not sleeping. What it highlights is a lack of sleep deeply affects us. And there is some re there's some stuff in that book, too, where it talks about like if you go if it's something like if you get five hours of sleep two nights in a row, you're impaired in the same way that you would be impaired with a certain number of drinks and driving, right? So, I mean, this is 
sleep is something that at the deepest level is is not I, I mean we're talking about it from a performance context you should just think about it at times from how do i as a you know somebody in my my, my teens or maybe early 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 20s what amount do i need just to be a a, a a functioning human another thing too this is a time where you have to reject what your non-running peers do just like put earmuffs on when they talk about how much sleep they're getting they are not an athlete they are not training hard and on this issue, what they say, uh, it, it applies not at all to what you have to do. One last thing on sleep, not to make this a sleep podcast by any means, but I think for me personally, how I viewed sleep too is you can only uh, train as hard as you recover. And what I mean by that is you're not actually getting the substantial gains from training if you're not properly recovering. And the easiest way to recover is the most bodily function, which is sleep. Um, so if you're not sleeping enough, that means you're not recovering enough. And if you're not recovering enough, you're not going to make those gains from your training. Because at the end of the day, from a scientific standpoint, all training is doing is just breaking down your body. And what recovery does is it repairs those gains and makes you stronger. And without that recovery, your body's just going to be more depleted. So the easiest way to make those gains, in my opinion, is through sleep. Yeah. And, and why don't we get, why don't we use a little bit of science here? So when we're, when we're running there, there's, there's two just very black and white things going on. Things are catabolic or anabolic. Now, if you think about this for a moment, have you ever heard of anybody ever getting in trouble for a catabolic substance? No, but there's anabolic steroids. So anabolic means building up catabolic means tearing down. When you go for a run and when you lift weights after you run or you, you do some of, of my, you, you know, hip mobility stuff, you're, that's a catabolic stimulus at the most basic level. It's tearing you down. Just like, like Dominic said, we have to build you up, but sleep upregulates testosterone, upregulates human growth hormone, right? Actually the testosterone one, don't quote me on that. Um, that might be wrong, but it definitely upregulates human growth hormone. So literally when you sleep, you, you, you have this hormone in your body that's, that's, that's building you up the same hormone that would be released if you did a weight room workout. Right. So, I mean, there's some really cool science there. And I, and when you're asking me about training in general, I think this feeds into this other idea. The best athletes in the world are doing this. They're keeping their easy days easy. So their hard days can be hard. So just in a, a general sense, if we have a hard stimulus, we have to recover from that stimulus. We're talking about sleep. I, th I think the biggest mistake I see serious high school athletes make. Now, this is, does not apply to the freshman who you know just just is new to the sport and doesn't know what to do. But once you get really serious about running as a high school athlete, so often you don't run your easy days easy enough. I know some of the college athletes listening to this. You're, you're, you're probably on. You know, you're wondering, man, how easy can my easy days be? And I firmly believe you should rip it on your hard days. You should go hard and your easy days should, should be easy. So um, I, I actually think if it's, a, if it's a little bit of a sleep podcast, that's a pretty powerful podcast for, for you listeners. <laughs> no, I think and, that, and, so. Yeah, and, 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 and I will say this too, like, like you don't have to read the book, Why We Sleep. I think if you're somebody who feels like I want to know everything about running, you can do that. But, but I'll go back and plug Steve Magnus's peak performance. They talk about sleep in there too. There's a great study from Stanford, last scientific thing. They had the Stanford men's basketball team. Uh, for a certain amount of time, they didn't sleep well. 
their their shooting percentage sucked da 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 they slept really well shooting percentage went through the roof okay and that's a different sport but it but it highlights like when when athletes are sleeping well they perform at a higher level so i think two takeaways from this podcast are one sign up for jay's course to uh hopefully enhance those mental performance skills that one percent of thing then the second thing sleep not only to do all the things we just said but also to obtain all the information in jay's course so moving on from that jay what attributes do you see in performing high performing teams and individuals yeah, I, I, I really like uh, this idea of, you know, you have to um, build your attention span for hard work. Um, that's one of the chapters I put in my book because it's running's really hard. And the only way you're going to get better is to increase volumes of something. Now, you theoretically could do a circuit workout where you're throwing med balls and walking over hurdles and doing core strength and whatnot and running just a, a, a small amount. But the duration of that aerobic stimulus could be 40 or 50 minutes. I like using that with young athletes, but you really have to focus for 40 or 50 minutes. And, and when I work with high school coaches, we do that with new athletes to, 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 to the team because it, it almost, I don't want to say it, it almost takes to zero the chance that they're going to get like a stress fracture or an IT band issue because they're running so little in that workout. But man, this athlete has to focus for 40 or 50 minutes. Now, let's go to the opposite extreme. There's a lot of people here who do a 90-minute long run. There might be people here who do an hour and 45 minutes. And within that last 20, 30 minutes, what should you be doing? A lot of people are going to want to be running pretty fast. Even if and, and if you we even if you're not running fast, you still have to focus for 90 minutes or an hour 45. And the idea being all the best programs have a way to teach athletes to build their attention span for hard work. Um, I also think all the best programs find a way to value the non-running work as much as as the uh, running work. Now, if we look at it from a time standpoint, you're gonna you're gonna spend more time running. We know that. But you have to spend time with a thoughtful warm-up, a warm-up that's got you moving in all three planes of motion, a warm-up that has you ready to run fast or, or even have an easy day where you feel well. And then right at the end of that, man, you've got to do things that are both going to strengthen everything from, you, you know, little things like, you know, little things like soleus. Uh, basically, we looked at the knee to the big toe. That's got to get stronger. And the way you strengthen those things are really boring. <laughs> you might walk around barefoot or, or do some little hops or things like that. And that stuff's really boring. But if we go back to, you know, build this attention span for hard work, one of the ways I think serious programs, you know, build this is with the non-running work where we say, hey, for two hours, we're going to stay mentally focused, even though we're only running hard for an hour or 75 minutes. Um, so, yeah, I... I, I I, I think warm up, I think run, I think post run, um, everybody's doing a good job, but I do think there's a, a difference between a program that's doing so, so, and the programs that are winning state championships or, or, and they don't have to be winning state. Like in the state of Illinois, if you're a boys program and you just make the state meet, it's fantastic in the state of Ohio. It's the same thing, right? Like, um, so, so any program where the, where the athletes are training really hard, you, you, you see all these things. Um, I posted a video on TikTok about two weeks ago where I said, if you're a sophomore, um, you have a crucial part on your team and within the culture of your team, which is if you talk to freshmen, if you talk to five freshmen most days, 
one of those freshmen is probably genetically blessed with the ability to race fast. But they're a freshman. They don't know what's going on. They don't feel very cool. They're intimidated. And you're a sophomore. You know what's going on. You know how your coach is good and weird and, you know, all those things. So, you know, if you're a sophomore, you can help a freshman that way. And I think the best programs have that sort of, you know, sophomores, juniors, and seniors really are are cool to the younger athletes and make them feel like a part of the team from day one. And I, I, I think that's something um, that is hard to, it's actually hard for programs who aren't as good to understand that that's part of quote, the uh, oxygen of the program. And I'm stealing that that concept of oxygen from John O'Malley at Sandberg. Okay, so Jay, you talked about in the beginning of your previous answer answer the importance of having a huge attention span for hard work. So let's go into this question with um, a predisposed mindset that the kid we're talking to has a huge attention span for hard work, and he wants he or she wants to be one of the top runners in the country and has that appetite for hard work, but they don't really know where to start or what to do. Uh, what is some advice you would have for that person? First of all, I absolutely love the, this question. Um, oh, and to your listeners, Dominic does a fantastic job uh, emailing questions and and helping somebody like me who's on this podcast get 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 ready. So uh, thank you for that. Um, but yeah, I, I I think this is really important, and and I don't think this answer is obvious. If you're 15, you should think about the runner you want to be when you're 35. Okay. When you're 35, if if you're as serious as th- th- this question assumes that you, that you really want to be good, and high school athletes do themselves a disservice by just looking at their high school career and looking at that timeline. There's a lot of good coaches in America who say, "Well, I want them to be good in college, in high school, and college," and that's great, and that's much better than just looking at high school. Okay. But I think if you extend it to 35 years and say, I want to run at the Olympic trials, if you have the talent to do that, or you say, I want to run a great marathon and then I'm going to move on with my life, you know, maybe have kids, maybe really focus on a job, da, 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 da. The, the idea being when you stretch out that, that view and you have the long-term view, then mileage isn't as important then crushing workouts, you know, your fourth week of the summer in cross country isn't as important. What becomes important are things like I've got to get in all my strides. I've got to do all, all this, uh, all this, the, 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 this pre-run stuff. And, and, uh, you know, I got to do, do strength and, and mobility after my workout. Will, will you, should you run a little bit more every season? There's actually 16 seasons. If you think about it in a high school, in a high school career, you have 16 seasons because you have track and cross country, but then you have winter and summer off seasons, right? Do that four times. That's 16. Can you make an, an a, you know, improve a little bit in each season? Absolutely. Is it volume? And when I use volume, we're basically talking about mileage, but is the volume you're running? Should that go up in each of them? Probably. Right. Um, we might actually like up it in the winter and then dial it back for track. You're probably doing all those things. But I think sometimes when you when you extend that view, can't quite see, you know, I mean, Jay, 35 sounds like ancient. But if you can say, I'm going to graduate from college when I'm 22 or 23 and I'm 15 or 16 right now, and I, and I, I, I can see that, and my fastest running should come when I'm 22 or 23, let's work backwards. What do I need to be doing now? Now, 
th this idea of the uh, car metaphor, build the aerobic engine, strengthen the chassis, rev the engine, you still are doing all those things. But what I think it does is it takes some pressure off of like, oh my God, I've got to have great workouts in the next four weeks to be able to PR in the big meet that is six weeks from tomorrow, right? I, yeah, I think another way of kind of illustrating what you're saying, there's this quote or idea that I love, and it's essentially um, the man who loves the walk will go much further than the man who loves the destination. And essentially, like when you're focused on the process rather than the outcome, you're going to go a lot further because when you're focused on that process, you're going to be a lot more willing to do those little things and the things that are important and not. Um, I think one big problem that high schoolers fall into, kind of like you're talking about, is they're all about this short term mindset of how am I going to become fastest this season instead of that long term mindset, which would probably make them act a little bit differently. I'm not sure if you agree with that, but that's just. My oh, yeah, it's on great. It. No, no, no. I, I think that's a fantastic quote. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a fantastic quote. Here's one thing. Running fast is fun, right? So I was somebody who I love to race. and I love to try and beat competitors in high school. I really fell in love with running, I think, in college because I was blessed to be in Boulder, Colorado and have all these trails. And and we really didn't train on the trails that much during the season. But in in the, in the summer and the winter, I, I could get on them a little bit. Um, and if so, if you're somebody who's like, man, I'm coming from another, another sport, I really like to compete. I, I haven't found that, hey, when I go for a long run, I really enjoy, you know, the first half or the first two thirds that runs. I, 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 I that is absolutely fine. Um what, what, what I think was what was said that is really important is you've got to break out of short term views that, you know, workouts in the next 14 days have to be run perfectly so that in 21 days or 28 days from now, you're going to run a great race. Um, something j just a, a little thing that might be helpful. There are no magic workouts. And one good workout or one bad workout does not make your year. It does not break your year, right? So no magic workouts. I, I mean, workouts absolutely matter, right? But what really matters is consistency over time and the sum of a lot of days done well. And and, and the other thing too, this is a crazy thing. This especially applies to high school boys, but but it also applies to high school girls. You actually could just repeat the same training from one year to the other, and if you let the 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 normal things that are happening in terms of growing and upregulating hormones and whatnot, you'll run a little bit faster. Now, I'm not saying like you should absolutely train harder and do harder <laughs> workouts and do extra things, but but you have to realize that at your age, there's already this kind of hormonal and biological push for you to improve without having to do crazy things. Now, don't share this with your coaches, okay? Because the coaches might get mad at me for saying this. You know, sometimes high school coaches say, oh, Danny ran so much better. He ran he ran this kind of PR. And I'm thinking every high school kid should run a PR because they're growing, right? Like it's much harder for Jerry Schumacher um, to get Grant Fisher to run the American record in the 5K than it would have been for Grant Fisher's middle school or high school coach to help him run that same improvement over 5,000 meters in high school. Totally. One last question for you, a serious question before I ask a fun one before wrapping this up. What other resources outside of the ones discussed today would you recommend for my audience? Um, 
I struggled with this one. I, I, I really, I'd like to be on the podcast a year from now and have a channel where people are, are, are able to understand the difference between a progression long run, a fast finish long run, why I think athletes should be doing strides at the end of the long run. Um, and I think that the number one thing they should do is they, in listening to the podcast, they have somebody in Dominic who is pushing really hard to get great information to high school athletes. Um, my, I'm a little bit, uh, ignorant as to the best resources for high school athletes. And I think this is the one you should be paying attention to. And I hope to join you on June 1st with a YouTube channel, you know, and hours and hours of, I, I think TikTok is really powerful for me because, you know, it allows you to do three minute videos and you can actually cover a lot of ground in the, in, 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 in that amount of time. Um, I think let's run is is a is a rough place if you're a high school athlete to go looking for information and i also think when you follow the instagram feed of a professional runner you're only seeing the things they want you to see and you're not seeing boring things like maybe some maybe they're massaging their plantar fascia for 10 minutes and that's why they've never had a foot injury right? Like there's all these boring things you don't see on an Instagram feed of a professional runner that I'm not sure sometimes of saying, oh, you know, I have to get Norma Tech boots and I should be in the weight room doing deadlifts with a, a, you know, I've seen teams do hex bar deadlifts. And then one final thing is like, if a team is profiled in some sort of workout Wednesday or something like that, it's, it's the same thing. It just looks even cooler, right? Because you see them in the weight room, you see the workout. Um, and I, I, I think the one thing high school one thing high school athletes listening to this could do a good job of let's run the cross country season, have a great season, then ask your coach. And I would give them a week, wait till after Thanksgiving, sit down and say, coach, what's one or two things we can change to have a good season? Because rather than looking at social media and looking outside your training to say, you know, should we be doing critical velocity? Should we be doing hills? Should we be doing speed development? Talk to your coach and say, hey, based on the fact that we're in Michigan or Ohio and it's going to get really icy, maybe we can do some things inside with plyometrics or whatnot that we've never done before that um, can make a big impact on my track season. Yeah. So, and, and, and here's the thing. There used to be a magazine called Running Times. If you would have asked me this um, years ago, that would have been it. I started to write in my notes for this. Uh, there's a website called Podium Runner. Uh, either Runner's World or Outside Magazine owns it. It's hard to find those articles. So I actually, I, I just think, you know, saying, hey, I'm going to carve out time to listen to this podcast is great. And when it comes to actual training, I think you you really need to trust what your coach is doing. Awesome. Jay, this conversation has been a very fun one, but to top off the conversation on a bit more of a light note, one question I ask a lot of guests on the show, well, every single guest, uh, starting a little while ago, for sure. It was after your time on episode 14. But the question is, if you had Gordon Ramsay coming over for dinner, what would you make for him? Oh, if Gordon Ramsay, I would go to H Mart, which is an Asian market uh, near my house. I would get duck. I would break down the duck based on Sad Poppy. If you're on TikTok, you got to check out Sad Poppy. We would uh, we would pan sear the duck. We I've been told it needs to be in a cold pan. Um, we would do a cherry reduction sauce, and we do it's a certain type of almond we'd chop up and I would do this with my 10 soon to be 11 year old daughter. She's seen the video like a hundred times and yeah, 
Awesome. That, that, that is that's what we would do. That is such a fun answer, Jay. This conversation has been fun. I appreciate you sharing all of this wisdom and knowledge with our audience today. And yeah, thank you for coming on the show. And I will definitely get you back on in the future to discuss some more topics. Okay, I look forward to talking about training or, or, or some other things sometime. Thanks so much for this opportunity. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Running Effect. If you liked it, I would greatly appreciate it if you share with your friends, subscribe to the show, and give us a five-star review on Spotify. That way, people who haven't discovered the show can discover the show more easily. Another way you can help the show is to support the people who support us. Currently, this podcast is sponsored by Liquid IV and Stoke Performance Nut Butter. I would greatly appreciate it if you guys support those organizations and use our discount code, which is, quote, the running effect in all caps. We get a small commission from all sales using that code, so you are directly contributing to the future of the podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram. My username is The Running Effect, and we also have a Strava Club, and I believe our username slash club name is called The Running Effect or The Running Effect Podcast. One of those I'm sure will come up. So I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode. I hope to catch you all in next week's episode. So until then, happy running.